Good afternoon. Warm welcome to you all. I'll try and be as sweet as possible after that introduction. Um, are you sure you're in the right place? You all look so peaceful already. If you're all feeling peaceful already, we can just go to the beach. <laughs> so calming the monkey mind. Interesting topic, yeah? It's a, a problem we all have, isn't it? Trying to get hold of the mind, trying to remain in control of our thoughts and feelings. So I did the meditation course up in Sheffield actually about 12 years ago and um, without sounding cheesy it did change my life um, and particularly because I was very skeptical before. I'm a scientist originally by education genetics and I was complete atheist and not into spiritual stuff at all. And I promised myself a long time ago I'd never end up going to any weird groups. And yet, you know, I've been coming to the Brahma Kumaris for 12 years now. I'm very happy about it. So there you go. So, um, and, and although we're not talking specifically about um, Raj Yoga meditation, obviously it's, it's implicit in, in what we are talking about, which is how to... Um, control our mind, how to better use our mind. And, um, you know, one of the big problems these days is that we live in a really chaotic world, don't we? And it's getting increasingly chaotic, right? And particularly the last few decades with the arrival and the rapid evolution of the information age is that we're continually bombarded with so much stuff all the time and the pace of life is very, very fast. Uh, we might always be consciously aware of it because it becomes a chronic illness almost. But, you know, with the advent of the internet and so-called smartphones, although they actually seem to do the opposite. Um, and, you know, advertising and all the information sources we're exposed to, the news, media. You know, being in London, it used to be that at least in the tube stations, the adverts used to be static. <laughs> now they're like mini feature films. So everywhere you go, technology is actually hitting us with more information. And yes, that information can be useful, but also it can be very overwhelming, can't it? And even uh, simple things like shopping have got very complex if you shop in a supermarket. Right? Because we're really overloaded by choice, aren't we? Yeah. It used to be maybe we had a choice of one or two varieties of apple, and now there's like 20. So, and it might sound like a small thing, but we're continually having to process and, and make decisions. And this is work for the mind, isn't it? Well, there's some scientific research done a while back that indicated that about 100 years ago, we averaged about 30,000 thoughts a day. Um, but recently, it's more like 70 to 80,000 thoughts a day. And a lot of that is due to the external world getting a lot more chaotic. Um, but it's like we're running a mental marathon, isn't it, every day? Uh, has anybody ever had the feeling of getting, when you're lucky enough to get eight to ten hours sleep, and still we wake up tired? Anybody had that experience? Yeah. Why is that? Because the mind won't shut down. It just keeps it keeps running. So it's not physical tiredness that's our main problem, it's mental tiredness. And a lot of people these days do suffer from sleep problems more and more. And that's another symptom of 
the mind being overloaded. So this is quite a serious problem. Um, we're quite focused these days on physical health. There's a lot of education about that. You know, we like uh, our organic food and exercise has been well promoted. And there's nothing wrong with these things. But also, what about the, the mind? You know, because that's pretty much on a junk food diet all the time. And what happens if you expose the body to that? You know, if you don't have your apple when you've chosen one of the 20 varieties, you don't have your apple for a day, you don't really notice if you miss one day, right? Or a week. Or if you miss a month or a year, or maybe even a few years, maybe you don't notice. But you miss 40 years, and what happens to the body? It starts to break down, right? Uh, it's the same with the mind. You know, uh, mental health problems have a um, obviously a clinical diagnosis. But it's my experience teaching the meditation course. Everybody has problems with the mind. Might not be a clinical diagnosis, but problems with the mind. What does that mean? How does that manifest? How do we experience a problem with the mind? Stress, yeah. Extreme emotions, yeah. Depression. Headaches, yeah. Yeah, you can get physical symptoms, of course. Yeah, aches and pains in the body. So we get stuck in sort of reactive patterns and sometimes we, we realize even at the time sometimes that we don't want to say or do something but we can't stop ourselves or we realize later on and then we feel guilty which is of course a negative thought so again that, that ends up being even more detrimental that's what you mean that sort of thing yeah so everybody's familiar with these experiences yeah so a simple solution is that we just fix the world right <laughs> if you know we can just fix our partners and fix our parents and fix our children and fix our workplace fix our boss fix our colleagues fix the environment um, and we'll be alright sound good? okay thanks thanks for coming <laughs> so this is but this uh, joking aside you know this is what we actually try and do we do try and change external things uh Practically, we might understand sat here that it sounds silly, but actually what we really do in our practical lives is usually to try and change anything but think, well, maybe I need to look inside rather than outside everybody else. L just looking a bit more at the thought process. What type of thoughts do we have? Because we can categorize the type of thoughts we have. What sort of categories do you think our thinking would fall into? Positive, negative. There's two others, those are the main ones, but practical and the real killer one. Waste. Wasteful thoughts. Yeah. So positive ones obviously we want to try and aim for more of. Happy, peaceful, loving thoughts. Negative ones, we're usually quite aware of them because they're quite strong emotions, right? Anger, hatred even. 
practical thoughts, you know, they're necessary. Like, the fridge is empty, I need to buy some food. <laughs> or the car's run out of petrol, I need to fill it up. Practical thoughts are necessary. Sort of, not, not particularly exciting, but necessary. Actually, one good sign, one well, not good sign, but one sign that maybe there is something going a bit wrong with the mind is when the practical stuff seems to be a pain. Have you ever had that where it even seems to be a hassle brushing your teeth in the morning? Even getting ready is a hassle. That's a sign that the mind is really drained of energy, where actually even the sort of daily things we do become a bit of a bind. But the real killer is the fourth category, wasteful thoughts. Because these are often thoughts that we're not always consciously aware of. What sort of thoughts do you think those might be? Self-destruct, anticipating things going wrong. Yeah, yeah. What if and why? Yeah, yeah. If only. So yeah, definitely what if, why, and if only past and future become a problem. You know, analyzing the past, maybe things we can't change, and continually building up more and more guilt or regret about that, and then looking at the future and anticipating the worst, like with the red light thing, and fretting about the future, worrying about the future. Different from pragmatic planning, there's nothing wrong with that, but often we think about the future and it's 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 fretting. It's not stuff we're we're pragmatically doing something about, we're just worrying. So, waste thoughts are very degenerative thoughts, and the problem is that they make up at least 80% for most of us of the thoughts that we have in a day. So at least 80% of the 70 to 80,000 thoughts. And the thing is, they're just running in the background. It's like a constant noise that's going on in the mind, and they're constantly sapping our energy, because waste thoughts are by default negative thoughts. So, it's a bit of a problem, isn't it? How do we get around it? Positive thinking? More positive thinking? Does that work? Affirmations? Yeah. What's the problem with acknowledging too much, though? It can be like that, yeah, feeding the wolf. Yeah. Accepting is definitely important. But sometimes we try and go into them and figure out what's gone wrong. And the problem is when we focus on stuff, it ends up getting bigger. We end up feeding it. So acceptance is important, but sometimes too much analysis is, is a bit of a problem. Who's been down the sort of positive thinking route? Anybody tried affirmations, positive thinking? I went through a phase because I was running a business at the time, a uh, marketing business, and I, before I got into sort of meditation, I read loads of these personal development books, you know, Covey and all the sort of positive thinking, think and grow rich and all this sort of stuff. This ton, it's a whole industry, isn't it? You, you probably all have at least explored one or two of these books. Um, do they really work? Sounds negative, actually. It might be just the truth. Temporarily, that's interesting. That's what I found. You know, not so much. It became that I needed another one. I became an addict of self-development books, or shelf development, as someone <laughs> once called it. You just continually buy them. 
and it becomes like a drug because they seem to work for a while to give you some positivity but actually sustaining that positivity can be a problem you like the ideas don't you we like the ideas we read about and it sounds good and if we could just apply it it would be good but actually that's a problem isn't it yeah the transformation actually changing the mind is very difficult and we're all aware of that with New Year's resolutions, aren't we? That changing our minds is very difficult. You know the ones that you make on New Year's Day and by midday they've, they've gone. Um, so good intentions is not the problem. We, we all have good intentions. We want, nobody wants to be miserable. Nobody wants to be stressed. But actually changing. And we may even be very well educated. We may have read a lot of personal development books. We may know how we should be thinking or what we'd like to be thinking, how we'd like to respond to things. But it's a bit tricky. Um, affirmations, also quite linked to positive thinking. There was a famous one in the 80s and 90s, which was something along the lines of, every day in every way I'm getting better and better. Remember that one? Yeah, that's the start of delusion. <laughs> Right, because we can tell ourselves this, but eventually, if we're not actually starting to feel it, if we're not actually able to s sustain any real changes, then it just becomes sentences that we're saying, doesn't it? That's what I found with affirmations. It just became repetitive, and eventually just sort of lost the power. Um, so, I'm telling you all the problems first. Don't worry, we'll get to the solutions. But I, like to, I think it's good to go through the problems because otherwise that's denial as well. I mean, we need to understand what the problem is. Um, but the interesting thing with Raj Yoga, I think trying to sum up what the, the difference in, the big difference in the philosophy of Raj Yoga compared with just standard positive thinking was a very small difference, but very powerful. And that's to do with how we look at positive versus negative. Is it a choice? It seems to be a choice, doesn't it? But what I mean by that is that, sure, we can. And it's good that, you know, the basic philosophy of positive thinking is that if I create more positive thoughts, like I am wonderful, rather than I'm no good, then over time I'm likely to respond more positively to life situations. And that it does work to, to a degree. It does work. And that if I think more negative thoughts, then I'm, I'm going to get probably more depressed and sorrowful over time, experience more unhappiness. But I think what I identified for myself was that it felt like, on some level, a little bit of a psychological trick. And by that I mean that deep inside I always had the doubt, what if I'm a negative person? What if I'm just not cut out to be positive? Do you understand what I mean by that? Because there's always that, that doubt, and, and that doubt is sown by the idea that positive and negative thinking is a choice in that deep down human nature is a mixture of both. That is not a positive thought, is it? That thought that we have the propensity to be very negative.
and then it's the shadow of doubt actually maybe I'm more like one of those people so even when I'm trying to have positive thoughts it's draining me it's like I'm filling up this bucket with these positive thoughts and affirmations but there's a hole in the bottom and this hole is the doubt or if I'm a negative person and the doubt is created by well going back to the world we grow up in you know we're very very strongly influenced as children uh, by our parents and what happens around us and for most of us growing up we hear stop it over there go to your room don't have such impractical big dreams you'll be disappointed much more than go for it you can do it you're great you can achieve anything you want well done congratulations you're brilliant uh, a lot of you are smiling here in the second list um, but the first list is the list we hear more of and actually again 70 to 80 percent of the information we get through our childhood um, certainly up to the age of 18 is, is negative and then you know after that is probably 90 percent with media and as we as we start to explore world news and world situations well in fact children have got access to this now as well of course with the technology so um, we have to be a bit gentle on ourselves but it's not surprising actually we have a heavy negative bias of input and that has really really drained our energy and it's also sown this very strong seed inside that actually yeah maybe I am just a negative person and in Raj Yoga one of the fundamental differences is learning that actually our fundamental nature is positive it's good news right doesn't necessarily feel great because I'm still thinking yeah but how do we do it <laughs> but so we still have a choice but the choice is slightly different the choice is do I connect to my true nature or not and ultimately we have to return to our positive true nature and the reason we like positive feelings feelings like love and happiness and peace is because actually that's who we are fundamentally deep down we are these things but we got sidelined by life we got distracted so instead of actually being having a negative part to us we've actually got confused about who we are and we've forgotten how to keep get in touch and keep in touch with that true core which is fundamentally positive and that do you see the subtle difference it's not really a choice of being positive or negative in terms of who you are because fundamentally you are a positive being deep inside we all are and when our behavior which starts with our thoughts because you understand that all behavior comes from thoughts right yeah all outcomes start with a thought don't they the world outside is a as it is now is a sum total of everybody's thoughts we're all responsible right because thoughts lead to feelings action the world we've created for ourselves is a reflection of our collective thinking yeah. just a very simple example one day somebody got fed up of sitting on the floor and had the thought it'd be nice to create something a bit higher up to sit on it started off as a thought and then it became an idea a drawing 
and then the drawing was the first physical manifestation of the thought and then eventually somebody made it and it's the same for and I'm sitting on myself yeah as we all are but everything starts with a with a thought so our entire experience is linked to the thoughts we've had but there's there's also linking to this negative positive thing is this idea that I am defined by all the thoughts that I've had all the thoughts and experiences I've had in my lifetime that is who I am you've come across this idea that I am a sum total of all my thoughts and experiences that's not actually true that's another subtle difference because if that was true then I would be by nature a mix of negative and positive wouldn't I because my thoughts and experiences in life have been a mixture but that's not who I am does it make sense? So again, who I am is completely positive, deep down. That's the truth about who I am. So this begs the question, if at some point in the past we were, and we are, and we experienced ourselves to be this pure, positive, amazing being, why did we start to have negative thoughts? You know, it may have been that it happened a long time ago and you know, our parents have had them and we picked up on those and society is now largely negative. But at some point, based on what I've just said, we must have experienced ourselves as we really are, if it's true, as really positive beings. So what happened? Because nobody in their right mind experiencing themselves as being peaceful and loving and compassionate and generous would choose to be where we are now in the world, would we? So what happened? But we created them, didn't we? At some point we must have, because everything, all the stress and external experiences are created by our thinking collectively. So there was a point where, there was a point in human history where this wasn't the case. Maybe before recorded history, but, and we're destined to get back to that. But why would we ch choose to become negative? doesn't make any sense, does it? But I need to understand the answer to it. And the answer is part of the human experience, really, that our true nature, we learn in Raj Yoga, is, is one of a very pure energy. We call it a soul. You could call it spirit, consciousness, whatever you like. Um, and we get these wonderful virtual reality machines to experience the physical world with the five senses. And it's amazing, isn't it? A lot of us take in most of our information through sight and sound, touch, to taste and smell. Um, but gradually over time we got a little bit too distracted by these things. And our energy, our attention, the energy of our minds started to get pulled more and more outside. And we started to forget our true nature because we got a little bit too distracted and too enamoured and too amazed by outside things like oh look what they're doing oh look at that look at this yeah and our energy started to get more and more entrenched in this stuff so instead of keeping in touch with my true nature of peace and love and happiness i started to get very gradually at first into things like comparison judgment you know paying a little bit too much attention to what other people are doing. Which now, of course, is a huge industry. 
<laughs> called Gossip. Gossip magazine. I know none of you here would ever, ever pick up. I mean, I was staggered. Somebody told me these days that they even have, with these soap operas, they even have magazines talking about the characters in the soap operas as though they're real. Uh, I mean, that's, that's uh, insanity. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, that's just plain insanity. We're so far removed from our true selves, we're actually reading articles about fictitious people. It's not good. <laughs> so we got distracted big time. And so our energy has, has gone more and more towards the outside. And we've got then hoodwinked into thinking that I need to find the things I'm looking for, the things I want on the outside. And what do we all want? We've already covered it. Huh? Happiness, yeah. Anybody want to be miserable? Do you see many lectures on how to be really miserable and angry? We could probably all give them. <laughs> Nobody wants to be so happy. What else? Peaceful. Come on, don't be shy. Huh? Successful. Content. Loved. Healthy. Yeah. Yeah. So, if we actually look, and this is a good exercise we're not doing today because it's a workshop, but it's actually good as an exercise to go and actually look at the motivation behind everything we do. Everything we do in life. And if you drill down into it, you will always come back to two fundamental things. Peace and contentment. And love and acceptance and all those are wrapped up in that but if you dig down to the two things behind them it always comes back to that doesn't it if even if you think about work you think about i want to earn enough money so i feel secure so i don't worry about money but security is linked to what if you think about the quality behind security peace isn't it because when i don't feel secure i feel uneasy i feel Anxiety, so peacelessness, basically. So we're all chasing these things, but what we've done is we've forgotten that we are these things, so we're chasing them outside. And that is really stressful. Uh, and it's created the chaotic world that we live in today. Because the answers aren't outside, so we've created more and more ways, faster and faster ways of trying to find it, but it's actually leading us badly astray. And then the other problem is that we get into a lot of analytical thinking, overthinking things. Because it seems to be a very complex situation in the world today, a lot of complex problems. So we've got into these negative habits of overthinking and thinking negatively and also thinking that everything is very complex. So we come to the conclusion that I really need to think a lot about how to undo all these complex problems that I've created, which leads to, guess what, more complexity, <laughs> which creates even bigger drains on our energy. And the more energy we use, the more negative we feel. Uh, just to elaborate on that analogy, 
you do know there's a link between the quantity of thoughts we have and happiness and peace. I don't know if you can remember the last time you were on a beach or chilled out somewhere. It could have been in nature. It could have just been on the couch. But when you think about your mind at, at those times, hopefully you've all experienced this at least once. <laughs> but what's the speed of thoughts like when you feel relaxed? It's slow. Yeah. And when you're really stressed, it's rapid, isn't it? So there is a strong link between the quantity of thoughts we have and peace. And the other one's quality. Quantity and quality, so more positive thoughts. But not just positive thoughts that I think are some sort of trick, but positive thinking is not a trick because we're not negative by our true nature. So what are we doing when we're thinking positive thoughts, like I am peace? Is that I'm tuning in to who I really am. So it's not really a choice. It is a choice, but it isn't. <laughs> I'm just deciding to tune into who I am. So I need to understand who I am, right? And this is a big difference in a lot of positive thinking. There isn't that level. And that I'm not a victim of my thoughts and life experience. Even if things have gone really badly wrong up to now, when I have the realization that actually deep down I am positive, there is a pure conscious energy there, I can start to use that to change things very quickly. That's my experience. <laughs> yeah, so how do we do it? Just one more thing. There was, an, there was quite an interesting philosopher, Descartes, René Descartes, who said, I think, therefore I am. No, no, no. It's not true. We create thoughts. We're creators. And when we create thoughts that are in tune with our true, pure energy, then the outcomes are always positive. When we create thoughts based on the illusion that we have to get everything we want from outside, then we create negativity. You know? And also we create chaos because we try and change things outside of ourselves. You know, If my partner was like this, I'd be more peaceful. If my kids would just do this and this, I'd be happier. If my boss wasn't so unreasonable, you know, I'd be more contented at work. If they paid me more at work, I'd be able to buy more things and I'd be happier. Nope, 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 nope. Completely the wrong way around. And what I've found in my life, actually, is the amazing thing is that when I started to spend time connecting inside, that all the problems that you think are externally created start to resolve automatically. And I can honestly say that. And by problems, I mean problems in the mind, problems with wealth, problems with health, problems with relationships, problems with time pressure. All of these things start to heal when I actually realize who I am and start to tune into that. And the, the, the basis of this is, is not complex. Because if you think about it, if you, if you go out into the world and you feel peaceful and happy, what do you tend to attract? Yeah, you, on the whole, you're always going to get some people are grumpy, but even that doesn't matter because most of it is happy that you attract. I saw a sticker on a lorry once which was quite enlightened for a, a lorry sticker. 
He said, you know, if you get up angry in the morning, it's amazing how many angry people you'll meet in the day. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Because we, the law of attraction, as it's been coined, but it does work. So I just need to learn how to start to explore, even if I don't believe that fundamentally I'm positive, to learn to explore this and see where it leads me. Because when I did the meditation course, being a scientist, I disagreed with most of it. <laughs> Very sceptical. But the funny thing is, is when I actually did what they said in meditation, I felt better. Uh, so I'm not into philosophies and belief systems. It's got to work. <laughs> and it does work. So I'm going to go through a very effective system I've found. Uh, I didn't come up with it, I hasten to add. And if you've done the positive thinking course, you, you'll be familiar with this. And if you have, you can't revise it too often, right? Because the thing with these negative thinking habits is that they're very, very ingrained. We spent years building them up. That's why they're hard to change. But actually, the nice thing is that when you get down to the core of who you are and start to connect with that, you can very quickly, or relatively quickly, start to break down these negative uh, habits, negative thought habits. And it's not so much creating positive ones, but you're releasing your true nature back into your awareness your true self starts to flow back into your awareness. And just to get, get that link in your mind between thoughts and awareness, you know, we're saying that thoughts are the, the first thing, that the only thing we actually really create, everything stems from thoughts, and our thoughts lead to our feelings. Yeah? You, you understand the link because you can't feel anything that you haven't thought about a lot. Like, if you feel stressed, it's because you've had a lot of stressful thoughts. You know, we feel if we feel like tight in the throat and shoulders are tight and butterflies and tight chest, often this energy that we create in the mind manifests in the body and we call it a feeling. Yeah. But it starts with repetitive thinking, that we're, these waste thoughts we're often not aware of. So thoughts lead to feelings and feelings affect our awareness. Our awareness might be, oh, I'm a negative person because I have a lot of negative thoughts and feelings. And then that gives me my experience of life. But if your experience of life is at all negative, then it's not true. It's not who you are. It's just a mistake in the thinking process. I need to connect my thinking back to who I really am. So one of the ways to do this, <laughs> okay, enough problems, right? <laughs> we, we clarified the problems enough, is... I need to create a space between my thoughts and who I am. It's understanding that I actually create thoughts, that there is a creator behind my thoughts. I'm not my thoughts, I create them. Like you're doing it now, right? In reaction to what I'm saying, you're having thoughts, yeah? You know that voice in your head? At least one, right? And if any of you are thinking, what's he talking about? I haven't got a voice in my head. That's the voice. <laughs> so we all have this, this voice. So I need to try and create a space where I can just step back and, and look at what's going on in my mind without judging it. So what you said was right in terms of looking at, but the key thing is that I don't want to judge what's going on in my mind. And this is the big test when people start meditation. It's the big 
reason people give up is that it ain't pretty <laughs> when I first look at my mind. And, and one of the things is that often when I start to meditate, my awareness gets of who I am actually can get worse. Because I start to look at all the stuff I've been trying to avoid by just doing stuff. You know, Most of us are complete, in complete avoidance, aren't we? So when we talk about relaxation, we don't really relax. We actually find things to do to distract us from the fact that we don't feel very happy. Yeah, like watch soaps or, or read gossip magazines or go to the gym. Yeah, They're all actual stimulants, aren't they? They're stimulation. They're, they're doing things. There's nothing wrong with some of them. I'm not saying it's wrong to watch TV or go to the gym, look after your physical physical body, you, you know, eat healthily. There's nothing wrong with these things, but don't get them confused with relaxation. Don't get them confused with meditation. They're not. Uh, they're just a way, usually, of avoiding facing what needs to be looked at. But if I can learn a way to actually look at my mind without any judgment, without any negative judgment, and step back and then learn to create new thoughts which chew me into who I am, then what happens is when I'm able to develop that power of concentration and focus on those thoughts, those positive thoughts, the negativity in the mind actually naturally starts to dissolve away on its own. The negative thoughts, the waste thoughts, they start to dissolve. I don't need to go into them too much because it's like a cobweb <laughs> of negativity and when I climb into it, I get trapped. And I start to look around at everything and it just gets worse. It becomes a nightmare. So I don't want to go into it, but I do want to create new thoughts. So the exercise we're going to do at the end is based on this. And it's broken down into three things. And it's known as SOS. Anybody heard of it? No? SOS classically stands for Save Our Souls, doesn't it? Which is quite appropriate. <laughs> but it, it stands for something else in this exercise. And the first S is Stand Back, which, if you like, is the process of what we call meditation, is taking some time out from the activity of just being connected to the outside world all the time and just getting lost in it, which, as we said earlier, is the reason why we get dragged into negativity. We're too, all our energies going out, out, out all the time. You know, our self-image is dictated by what people are saying about us and what things are being said from outside in. So stepping back from all of those external influences and spending some time to just look at my mind in a very neutral way, without judgment, that's the observed bit, the O of the SOS. And then the last S stands for steer which steer in this instance means that I create new thoughts that steer my mind my concentration in a new direction towards who I am so on the surface it actually looks a lot like affirmations because one of the key thoughts we start with in Raj Yoga is I am a peaceful soul or I am a being of peace yeah. Om Shanti I am Shanti, peace. But the observing part without judgment comes from what actually happens when I say that, which is the other voice in the mind, which goes, no, you're not. <laughs> but when I learn to expect that negativity, 
and not react to it, not try and avoid it, just accept it. Because if if it wasn't there, we wouldn't need to meditate, we wouldn't need to be at this talk. <laughs> but does that make sense as a process? That when I first start to say to myself, I am peaceful, I'm going to get loads of negative feedback from the mind as well. You'll get things like, well, you're not peaceful, what about that argument you had yesterday? What about that thing that happened 10 years ago, or last week, or you're worrying about tomorrow? So I need to understand that that's, we all have that. It's, it's completely normal at the moment. So not to worry about it when it comes up, when I'm practicing, but just to keep focused on creating those positive thoughts and tuning into those positive thoughts. So peace is a great place to start. And just to finish before, because Linda's going to actually, before we do the meditation, he's going to get you to get into groups just to see if there's any questions that you have. But just to finish my section for now, um, I think it's very important to understand why we focus on peace so much. Because it's a word like love that gets abused a lot. You know, A lot of people, when they hear the word peace, they think about war. <laughs> you know, it's it's become a word that tends to be used on a very, again, a very physical level. But what does it mean to be peaceful? This is something I need to explore because it is who I am. It's, it's my true nature. We search so much for peace. We want to feel free. We want to feel peaceful, don't we, inside? But have I actually taken any time to explore it within my mind properly? The reason it's a foundation, do I understand how it's connected to the other things that I want to experience? How is peace connected to love? How is peace and love, how are they connected to happiness? Do I know? I need to know. Because I'm getting to know myself. This is the idea with Rajoga meditation, is getting back in touch with who I am. I need to understand myself. This is what we explore in meditation. And when I get this right, the monkey mind's finished. Okay, I'm still working on it. But it starts to actually get much better very, very quickly. So what is the link between... When you think about love, is it possible to feel loved or to feel love without feeling peaceful? But ultimately, I think that when I'm experiencing real love on a consistent basis, there is no pain behind it. Sometimes instead of using the word love, it's worth using the word respect, because I think love has got quite complicated as a word. Respect for the self and respect for others. And at the end of the day, if there's any, if I'm not feeling peaceful, if there's some disturbance in that peace, then it affects the quality of how I experience respect for myself and how I experience love. It takes the some of the joy out of it. It affects it. I mean, you said that yourself when you're describing the situation. That there is this other feeling behind it. So it sort of has a contaminating effect. Because if you think about um, peace and love and happiness, which is the next one down the chain, is that is it possible to feel happiness if I don't feel respect for myself, if I don't feel respect for others, if I don't feel love? Uh, and again, in this case, you know, happiness gets affected if there's a disturbance in love and peace. I'm 
Yeah, and also one that has no pain. Because I think one of the problems is that, again, because we've got so used to a mix of positive and negative in our lives, that we think that nothing can be pure anymore. That there is a mix of negative and positive in anything, and actually in everything, and that's not the case. But it seems so far removed from our experience that we don't remember what it feels like. Well, it's really funny you mention that because it's reminding me of a story um, that was a few more minutes, Linda? Okay. A story of it was a talk I heard about 10 years ago and it was about um, reincarnation and death and it was written by, I can't remember the guy's name but he was a surgeon and very very sceptical but over the years of hearing lots of near death experiences from patients he started to think this is interesting maybe there's more to it and he started to do scientific experiments where he put things in the hospital that they couldn't possibly know about or see and when they had these stories of floating above their bodies and seeing things that were going on they would describe things that they couldn't possibly know about and he did it in a very scientific way and gradually became convinced that there was something to it and I remember he, in his talk he was uh, the guy was relating um, uh, one, uh, he'd interviewed this patient who'd sort of died on the operating table and come back and was describing, you know, some of the usual stuff like seeing a light moving towards it. And he said, well, yeah, but what did it actually feel like? And apparently she took a moment to think and then said, well, can you imagine the best day in your life you've ever had? Maybe there's a few days where you felt absolutely blissed out. And he's thinking, yeah, I can, I can think of a time like that. And she said, well, that would feel like extreme pain compared to what I experienced. I thought, oh, that's a bit of an eye-opener. So it is interesting to explore the fact that sometimes, I think these days, are what we think is happiness is just brief interruption in pain. I know that seems like a harsh thing to say, but actually there is a level, there's a much higher level that we can tap into of peace and, and love and happiness. A level is not contaminated. So I'm going to leave it there for now and hand you over to Linda, who will take you into the next stage. So this is, I like this. These are really good questions you've come up with, and I'm glad I'm not answering them. <laughs> so this is like mastermind, isn't it? We could have a little clock. Can I pass then? <laughs> No, <laughs> you can. Okay, so this one is the first one. How long can happiness be sustained for if we know ourselves, our true selves? How long can happiness be sustained for if we know our true selves? Good question. That's an interesting question. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, forever. <laughs> okay, next question. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I, if I answered any less than that, it wouldn't. Um, actually, that is the true answer. Um, I'm not at that stage yet, um, but I have noticed a progression over the last 12 years where I can sustain it for longer and longer. And one of the first things I noticed um, when I started practicing what we've been talking about is 
how being aware that things that would have disturbed my peace and happiness before were not. And I remember being quite surprised um, because sometimes I didn't realize till afterwards it was till the end of the day and I was meditating thinking, oh yeah, today was interesting because normally that would have really wound me up or, or I would have felt bad for a long time afterwards and that, that got shorter. And now the experience of, of discontentment is growing and growing and becoming more consistent. And I know... Um, also, when I look at yogis like Daddy Janki and some of the um, uh, yogis that have been practicing for a long time, that it is possible to be happy all the time, all the time, because that is who we are, and that is the goal. And if the goal was any less than that, if the truth was any less than that, that would not be good. So forever is the answer. <laughs> that's good. So you've answered two questions. Without oh, okay. Reading. That's good, because the second one part was, uh, as Daddy Janki um, constantly in happiness and you've answered that one so this one's connected with that and this one says how can I maintain my level of happiness not just for short not in just in short doses Uh, very good question Um, that is there are two aspects to Raj Yoga um, knowledge and practice and um, the knowledge uh, is the information we've been talking about which is discovering who I am um, learning about what my true qualities are, but actually the power um, to sustain uh, those feelings that we want to sustain, like peace and happiness, is through practice. And the practice is practicing taking time out, um, as I said, and the exercise we'll do later. And that actually builds up the inner power to be able to sustain these feelings. So the quick answer is the best way to start is at least to have between two and five minutes when I wake up. And I mean before you move, right? Because one of the old habits is the mind very quickly gets locked on to activities of the day. So literally sit up in bed. And before you engage your mind with anything, while it's still a bit dopey, is to practice meditation. And if you're not sure what that means, then we'll do an example today, but also as a meditation course. And thank you for that question. Because um, I'm going to get my train tickets out now. <laughs> um, there's a site called Just a Minute, which has 41 minute meditations on it. Because sometimes people think you need to meditate for ages for it to have an effect. But little and often is actually a very good way to start. And, and many people, uh, like I did, struggle to concentrate when they first start to meditate. And therefore, five, ten minutes can be quite painful. And then it becomes negative, which is not the idea. <laughs> negative meditation. Um, so this has um, 40 commentaries, and it teaches us how we should be talking to ourselves in our mind. That's what a commentary is. It's actually borrowing an experienced meditator how they actually think for themselves. Eventually, you don't need these props, but they're very useful at the start. So this website, the cards are at the back. Do take it. So four or five times a day one minute, one or two minutes, while you're waiting for the kettle to boil, the computer to boot up, if you're in a supermarket queue, you've always got time. It's just using it properly. And then last thing at night is absolutely key. You know, because if you watch a horror film before you go to sleep, your subconscious is going to go bananas while you're asleep, speaking of monkey minds. Um, But if you meditate and clear the day, if you let go and are at peace with the day, then you'll sleep better and you wake up more relaxed and then your morning meditation will be better. So hopefully that answers that question. Mm-hmm. That's open. That's answered a couple connected ones. Uh, this one is, uh, at what point do we lose peace? If our original nature is, is a peace, at what point do we actually lose it? Yeah. 
And if we're looking at it, yeah. this was a this was it. a question about um, a child looking at this birth, looking at a child starting off as peaceful. Yeah, sure. Um, at what point, or what the influence is? Well, it's it's uh, it's quite a broad-reaching question. Um, it depends on your beliefs as well, because. Um, there's a long-term answer and a short-term answer. And the short-term answer is looking at this lifetime. Um, because even these days you can obviously have young children that seem quite disturbed as well. So um, in Raj Yoga philosophy, we actually believe the soul is on a journey through many lifetimes. So um, we carry with us um, the habits that we've formed before. So if we form peaceless habits over a long period of time, they can be brought through. So sometimes it doesn't make much sense to look at just one birth. You know, these habits can be very long-standing, even beyond the reach of our current lifetime. So it's quite an involved question. But at some point, yeah, at some point we just started to get, as I said earlier on, distracted by external stimuli. And we forgot, we started to lose touch with who we are. And at that point, peace would have been the first thing to go. You know, when I start, stopped um, connecting fully with who I am, uh, I would have started to feel some sense of loss, some lack, and that would have caused peacelessness in the mind. And then I started to look for solutions outside, and that increased the peacelessness. And it's, but now we're at a point where we can actually start to resolve that, so that's good. Okay. Uh, this one says, how can a depressed person begin to change their thinking and feelings? My experience of de feeling when you feel depressed is that it's again it, it is a feeling it's a culmination of um, a backlog of thinking habits that are producing an effect in itself and it's not always something we can just snap out of um, so not to make light of it um, I, my experience is some, sometimes it's very difficult to start to, oh, the students that have come, sometimes it's quite difficult to just snap out or come out, sorry, not the right word, but to come out of depression just with meditation. Sometimes it's also useful to have therapy as well or a counsellor, at least someone to talk to. But in my experience, if there's a combination of those two things, meditation and counselling, it's possible to work our way out of it. Then there may be relapses um, because it's a bit like the mind has a momentum. And, you know, if we've been having peaceless thoughts for a long period of time, then, you know, you can, it's a three steps forward, two steps back. But my true experience with Raj Yoga is that the, the progress can be very rapid. I hope that answers the question, whoever asked it. But, uh, at the end of the day, your true nature is not depressed. It's a culmination of, again, thinking that is connected too far away from who I am. So it is possible to completely reverse the effects of it with meditation. And a positive thinking course. And a positive thinking course, of course. Okay, yeah. this is a good one. How do we cure a relationship that started with love and now is an exchange of pain? <laughs> Straight for the big one. I mean, yeah, that's a great question. Relationships are source of greatest joy and our source of greatest sorrow, yeah. Um, this goes back actually to what we were discussing earlier on about what true love is. 
um, because the true qualities don't have any pain associated with them at all. And this, this, you know, this sort of what maybe seem a little bit of a cliche, uh, unconditional love, which is a love that doesn't have any expectations, and it's expectations that damage everything. Uh, expectations are the seed of frustration and anger. I expect. So um, often, I, I think in relationships, when we first meet, we connect with the best in people, but then because of both states of mind then gradually when familiarity comes we start to become aware of the the negative thinking patterns in ourselves and in the other as well and that contaminates the relationship um, my experience again with relationships is if that you are connected with the respect and love in, in myself it allows you to um, sometimes the right thing is to move away sometimes if you can connect with the love in yourself it builds a very strong power of forgiveness and it can help the other person to heal but ultimately if they're not ready for that journey then you will move apart but unconditional love is actually about just wanting the best for someone and that means allowing them to be free so it doesn't have any expectation or attachment at all um how do you control your mind if it's active 24-7 even through sleeping? Yeah, good question. Uh, it's, again, breaking this cycle. You know. The mind can spin and is spinning for all of us in a negative cycle, which we talked a lot about um, as we move away from who we are. And um, in Raj Yoga, I briefly talk about that the mind uh, has different elements to it. Uh, the subconscious, if you like, is like a store of all our memories and impressions and habits which have become very negatively tainted. And the conscious mind is the part of the mind that creates thoughts and feelings. It's like a child painting on a screen. And it's very creative, but the thing is the child gets influenced by the subconscious memories and impressions. So if the subconscious mind is quite negative, then... Um, my thoughts and feelings that arise in the conscious mind tend to mirror that. And the intellect, if you like, is a bit like the parent. But because the child has got so chaotic, it's a bit like a child with attention deficit disorder. It's running around the room, screaming and shouting, and the parent's cowering in the corner. And when we start to meditate, we actually empower the intellect. It empowers the parent. So we're still aware of the child being chaotic, but we can start to have the inner power to show that child love and accept that child without being frightened of it or trying to reject it, which is meditation is a gentle healing process. So when I start to do that, I start to break the cycle. I start to, I accept the child, but then I start to guide the child and I have the power inside to be able to do that. So meditation practice is actually what breaks that cycle. And then the intellect, despite all the negativity that's coming from the child, the parent can start to inject positivity into that relationship. And gradually that starts to change things. So does that mean? And it becomes um, a building effect. The more we meditate, the more empowered the parent becomes, and the more the child feels loved and is able to change. So if I see my mind like this, then it becomes a very loving, gentle healing process. Okay. Um, how do we remain introverted whilst having to face the challenges of the external world that force a loss of control? And it's got in brackets, cancer of a loved one. Okay. Um, 
introversion is an interesting thing um, because uh, it doesn't mean getting lost inside. And when we talk about meditation in Raj Yoga, um, introversion is not disconnecting from other people, but actually that I'm, I'm able to step back in my mind and be objective about what's going on. So I, really introversion is being even on the go, even when I'm active in the day, not just when I'm sat meditating, is that I'm able to connect with who I am and experience that peace and love, and then I can just share that energy with others. But then that energy of peace and love also brings acceptance. And from that space, whatever's going on with the people around me, I can then share that energy. And that is the best thing I can do for them, is to feel peaceful within myself and loving and compassionate and generous. And so um, how I actually do that is I've found that, again, it's just regular practice in terms of um, meditation. And the more I practice it, the more I'm able to um, sustain and maintain those feelings even when I'm faced with very challenging external situations. Yeah. yeah. There is a longer answer to the question, which is also seeing that you know every soul is on a journey and uh, ultimately it's a healing journey. Um, and ultimately there is positive in even the what's seen the most negative situations. Because even at the end we say, rest in peace. So everything <laughs> has to go back yes. to what it was originally. That's true. Yeah. So I save these two to last because it will lead you into, because this is the how and the what's. And uh, So this two questions left. How can we mentally, spiritually recharge mm -hmm. our internal battery? So this needs a little clarification. How yeah. can we mentally, spiritually recharge our internal battery? So sometimes, the, sometimes this, in Raj Yoga, the soul is described as a battery, mm -hmm. being like a battery in terms of um, we're a spiritual energy that's eternal. And when we start to have our human experience, um, there's a very initially a very small drain on that battery. And when we lose touch with ourselves, we start to use a lot more energy because of the chaos in the mind and everything we've been talking about. So it's a bit like a battery that slowly discharges. And when we start to connect to who we are again, it has the effect of, of recharging the battery. So just say the question again. How do we mentally, spiritually recharge our internal battery? So part of the answer is what we've already covered, which is connecting with who I am. But also, um, we're at a time where um, all our batteries have got to such a low ebb that we actually need help. So in Raj Yoga, we um, also explore our connection with the Supreme, the Supreme Soul, or God, if you like who is a, an ever-pure uh, mind that is always in perfection, that is always positive. And by connecting with that soul, that energy in our meditation, it actually helps us to recharge. I think any more clarification on the Supreme Soul, I would advise take up the Raj Yoga meditation course because it's a topic in its own right. But we can't recharge ourselves. We do need help. That help, again, is accessible through meditation. 
Okay, and this is the, the last one. So how can we um, keep track of our thoughts and reduce the waste thoughts? So how can we, you know, what's, what method do we need to do or to maintain or sustain or create that will help us to be able to um, reduce the waste to mm. so monitoring what's going on inside? Well, that does lead in very well to the exercise we're going to do, which is based on this SOS um, principle. Um, we covered the, the main practice of morning throughout the day using the just a minute, one minute meditations um, and the evening meditation. Um, and as I think I said earlier, that when I actually focus on the positive thoughts that tune me into who I am, the waste and negative thoughts naturally start to dissolve. So really all I need to do with those is be aware that they're there, but not focus on them too much. Just accept the fact that the mind is a bit blown out at the moment, and that's okay. But when I start to create light in the mind, which is, when I say light, the positive energy of connecting with who I am, it naturally starts to dissolve away the darkness that's there anyway. So again, it's the same answer really. It's regular practice, even on Sundays, every day. And although... As I found, it's a bit of a discipline at the start. I found with Raj Yoga that the benefits, you start to experience them very early on. So then when you start to experience the benefits, although you may still get, or will get resistance in the mind, because you feel better, you want to do it anyway. So it becomes an experience that you want to have. So then the practice becomes a lot easier. And if that's the last question, I promised that we'd explore this SOS. So are you ready to... Um, just say because we, we um, Matthew's nearly finished what he's he's going to say and take us into an experience and then we're going to just continue to just sit for till about 10 to 5 with some meditation because every third Sunday of the month we have an hour of meditation for, for the world so as we have an audience here it would be nice to uh, participate in just 20 minutes half an hour of that so Matthew's going to lead us in and then we'll have some music and then it will it will finish Okay, thank you. Okay, so sitting comfortably. Um, preferably, we don't have any fixed positions. Um, but feet flat on the floor is good. And sat relatively straight. That's just so you don't nod off. <laughs> and um, if you want to keep your eyes open, Raj Yoga, we practice with our eyes open. Because we find that if you learn meditation with your eyes open, it helps you to tune into that positive energy while you're going around your normal day-to-day -day tasks. And if you think about it, if you close your eyes, it's not unnatural. We face most of our problems with our eyes open. So when we learn to meditate with our eyes open, eventually we, are, we start to get into that state of awareness more consistently. So then it becomes natural to be in meditation all the time. So sometimes we use, I don't know if you can see because of my head, but if you can see the point of light, it's something to focus on. But you could find anything, it could be a pattern on the floor, or but just to gently rest your eyes on something. Um, if you're not comfortable, find it hard to concentrate, then do close your eyes, but it's just so that you're aware that it, there is some benefit in gradually uh, exploring open eye meditation. And I'm going to be speaking, so I just want you to try and follow the journey I'm going to take you on, which is going to be through these three things stand back, observe and steer and this is a very practical meditation that you can use yourself um, afterwards very simple, very practical everybody ready? so I want you to imagine 
that you're in a cinema in your mind if you can visualize that scene in your mind's eye if you find it hard with your eyes open close your eyes and try and see the scene I'm sure it's a scene we've all been familiar with at one time or another and as you look around the cinema as you expect you see a huge white screen at the front and the speakers hidden to the sides and more unusually as you look round into the cinema although it's large there's only one seat in the middle and this is your seat because this is the cinema of your mind so you walk over to the seat and take your seat facing the screen sat comfortably you look at the screen and the screen is showing you what you can see through your eyes and the speakers communicating what you can hear through the ears and just being aware of the senses that we take for granted is interesting being aware that I am seeing through these eyes hearing through these ears and I decide that I want to go a little bit deeper and as I decide the screen starts to change instead of showing me what I can see through the eyes it starts to show me the screen of the mind my thoughts and feelings I might not be able to see anything specific but I'm aware that there is a lot on the screen in fact every thought and feeling I've ever had is on there somewhere thoughts about the past thoughts of the future I'm aware that even the thoughts I've had today since getting up before coming here coming here there's been many but I just sit comfortably in my seat I'm stood back away and sat back just observing the screen I realize normally I get totally lost in this screen. It's like a big drama, a film, a film of life. I'm caught up in all these thoughts and feelings. But right now, I'm sat back, just watching, not judging anything, just accepting. And actually, it feels quite good to just be watching and not involved, just observing. 
And I decide from this position of comfort, observing my mind, that I want to steer my mind in a new direction. I want to create a new thought. So I decide to create a thought of peace. I am peace. And I see this thought as a white light hovering in front of me. Like an orb. A pure white light that's sparkling, beautiful. This light of peace. I may not be able to feel it yet, but at least I can create it and be aware of it. And it's part of who I am. And I imagine this hovering light and sat in my seat in the cinema. I move this light with the power of my mind and I place it in the center of the screen and I focus on it this light of peace and as I focus on it it starts to grow it starts to dissolve gently dissolve away all the other thoughts and feelings that were on the screen these thoughts and feelings that seem quite dark in comparison to this light I don't worry about those as they gradually disappear and soon the light of peace is covering the whole screen and it spills out over the edges and it starts to fill the whole cinema of the mind and it surrounds me and I'm at the center held in this light and it's a beautiful light and it's surprising because although it's a light of peace it also has a sparkle it's calm but it's also a great energy. It's inspiring. It's gentle. It's very comfortable. It's secure. It's cozy, safe. And I enjoy being at the center of what I've created of who I am and this light spills out of the mind into the body into the head and it starts to fill the head and then moves down to the neck and the shoulders and as it touches everything it dissolves away any blocks or tensions that were there. It moves down the arms and the chest and the stomach 
washing away any tensions as it moves down the legs, the knees, shins, the calves, the feet. And the whole body is immersed in this light. And it has no limits. It moves out, touches the people next to me, fills the room and moves out infinitely in all directions with no loss of lightness or power it touches everything and I bring my attention back to being the source at the center of this light that I am this light of peace I just take a few moments just to enjoy this feeling, this feeling of peace, knowing that I can create this whenever I want. And the more often I tune into it, the stronger and the more stable it becomes as I bring my attention back I bring this power of peace 